You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at WeddingtonChurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the New Testament book of James. James chapter 1 verse 17. And of course, through this message, we will look at various other passages of Scripture, but we will begin with James chapter 1, verse 17, where James writes, Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word, for the privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is indeed your church. So I pray that this would be your message and not my own, through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. When someone comes up to you and says, I have something for you. It's such a special thing. Or if you get that phone call, hey, can you stop by? Or can I stop by? We have something for you. It's just indeed a very precious gift. It means that somebody has thought about you. Somebody has done something for you. It doesn't have to be big. It just means someone was thinking about you. It's a precious thing. Gary Chapman, several years ago, wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Now, Gary Chapman is a pastor, but also is a pastoral counselor, marriage therapist. So for years now, couples and people in relationships have been looking at the five love languages. He has the five love languages for couples. He also has five love languages for children, for teenagers and others. It's just ways of recognizing not all of us give or receive love in the same way. There are five primary love languages. We typically like all five of them, but there's often one that stands out more to us. Languages such as words of affirmation. For some people, hearing the words, I love you, I am proud of you, I thank God for you, that will touch their hearts deeper than almost anything else. For others, it's gifts. When I was away from you, I was still thinking of you. For others, it's quality time. And again, that doesn't mean just simply being in the same place at the same time, but actually sharing life together. For some, it's acts of service. If you love me, show me you love me. Help me out when I need help. What do you do that shows or expresses love through actions. And for some, it's touch. Being in proximity with someone, being close enough to someone else that you can literally feel their presence. It's important when we look at relationships that we understand love languages because we are all different. Nancy and I have two children. Our two children could not be more different. So therefore, the way we love, the way they receive love, two different ways. It's not a right or wrong, but we're unique. We're all individuals. And there are ways that we give and receive love differently. It also impacts, then how do we receive love 
from God. Because God loves us in a variety of languages as well, and we have the opportunity to love God in return with these various love languages. So during the five Sundays in Lent, we're looking at the five love languages. Last week, for example, we looked at words of affirmation. And if you missed last week, you have the opportunity again on our app to listen on our podcast. You can also watch the service if you'd like to, either through the website or, or through the app. But I invite you to follow us along and be part of how do we receive and express love from God. Now, gifts can be powerful expressions of God. Have you ever noticed that even the smallest child seems to know that gifts can be so important? I mean, how many of you that have small children or grandchildren can remember when a child went out in the backyard and and picked a flower, maybe even a dandelion, maybe a piece of clover, whatever it might be, and come bringing it into you with such joy on their face as they hold up and present you this gift. It's a precious gift. Periodically, for example, on Sunday mornings after we've had the worship time together, a child will come up to me as as the family is leaving worship, and the child has, during the sermon, during worship, drawn a picture, and they give it to me. What a precious gift that a child took some time and was drawing, but they thought, you would want to receive that. That this is a gift that I'm offering to you. Children learn pretty early. Gifts can be very powerful. And for some people, their love language is gifts. The way they receive and express love the most is through gifts. They don't always have to be expensive gifts. They can be. But it's really the thought that counts. Sometimes it just can be something small that simply says, while I was away from you, I was still thinking about you. Our daughter, for example, is one whose love language is gifts. Uh, We learned that very quickly, and it doesn't always have to be something expensive, as I mentioned, although she really likes that too. But it could be when she was studying for an exam, when she was going through difficult time, you know, work-related, under stress, whatever it might be, If you swing by Kilwins and pick up some chocolate and bring it in, it's like you changed the world because you knew this is what I liked. You knew I was stressed. You gave me a gift. I had a clergy colleague who her husband would sometimes travel to Raleigh for work, and there was somewhere between Raleigh and Lake Norman, that there was some store that had some kind of chocolate that she liked, and periodically he would exit off, go in, pick up whatever it was, bring it to her, and you would have thought that he gave her the world because it simply said, I was thinking about you. Yes, they can be precious. Recently, Nancy and I received this very incredible gift. There was a lady in our church who had been battling a terminal illness for quite some time. And when we, I would go visit with her and with her family, we had some amazing conversations. And she had these little village collections all around shelves in her home, all along in the kitchen and various rooms of the house. She collected these villages. 
It was interesting. Right after she died, I went over to be with the family, to talk with the family. We were planning her service. And her husband told me, he said, Moira told me that after she died, she wanted me to give you this church. Wow. It was a church that was in one of the village collections, and it has a light that you can have in it that shines, and we placed it in our home. I was so touched by the fact that that she made sure, now when I die, I want you to give this to Terry and to Nancy, that now in our home, with a light burning continually, is this church. And we're reminded of her, but more importantly, it's the thought. We're reminded that we had a relationship with someone who loved us and who wanted to offer something of, that was important to her, of herself, to us. Gifts. When we decorate for Christmas, my wife has an incredible memory and she'll go, now this ornament reminds us of this and this ornament was given by this, this ornament was my grandmother's. They're gifts. They're expressions of love. And some people express their love with gifts. Some people love to make things for their family. They'll cross-stitch something or they'll make something or, or, or they'll bake something and, and give it to the people that they love. You know, the, the saying is, it is the thought that counts. And it really is because what makes a gift special is not so much just the gift, but it's the love behind it. It's the expression of it. Gifts are symbols of love. It's why when we do a wedding ceremony, for example, that we have the couple join together and then there's a time that we, we take rings and we, we bless them and then you'll see the gift given to each other. With this ring, I thee wed. Or I give you this ring as a sign of the covenant. Giving. And it's one of the things we learn about our God. God has always been a giving God. Just look, for example, at the creation story. It's at the very beginning of the Bible that we see that our God is a giving God. I mean, just turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make humankind. In our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the wild animals of the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of all the earth, every tree with its seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he made, and indeed, it was very good. Our God is a generous 
giving God. When God created us, he wanted to make sure, and I've given you everything that you need to live. I've given you everything that you need to sustain your life, and I will be with you. God would walk with them in the garden. James, James chapter 1, verse 17, the scripture that we read reminds us that every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above coming down from God, the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. And think about a giving God. We're in the season of Lent. We have the cross with its purple cloth. We have now the altar table as we prepare to come to the table of our Lord. And we are reminded that we truly have a self-giving God. A God who so loved the world. Remember, these were the very words of Jesus. It was Jesus himself in conversation with Nicodemus who says to Nicodemus and to us, For God so loved the world that what? That he gave a gift. God gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave. Our whole Christian faith is about a God who expressed His love for us with an amazing gift. And you want to talk about expensive? This one was expensive. For this gift cost God everything that He had. And gifts, as we mentioned, are expression of love. It's the thought that counts. Did you hear what Jesus said? It's because God so loved you and so loved me that He gave His only begotten Son so that if we would believe in Him, we wouldn't perish. We could be forgiven for our sins. We could have everlasting life with Him. Paul puts it this way in Romans 6, verse 23. He said, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And again, Paul, when he writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. Listen to what he says. It is the gift of God. God understands the love language of gifts. And God is continually offering His love and His grace. It's no wonder then that Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15 says, Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. How, how do you describe a love like this that is so amazing? We're in the season of Lent. And throughout, as you drive around, you will see churches that have crosses outside with purple cloths hanging off of them. But just remember this, the gift that you have received, that before there was a purple cloth on the cross, there was our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Because God loved you enough that He offered to us His only begotten Son. Now, you want to know something that's heartbreaking? It is heartbreaking when you love someone and you have a gift to offer them and, and you offer that gift and then it's rejected. 
That is heartbreaking. It's one of the reasons most of the time people make pretty sure of the answer before they take a knee and, and open up a box with a ring and ask the question, will you marry me? Because it rips your heart out when you are rejected. A rejected gift makes us question, is the relationship also rejected? A rejected gift makes us wonder, is the love rejected? A gift that is accepted is heartwarming. It'll touch you to the essence of your being. But a rejected gift breaks your heart. And it's one of the things that is so concerning with God is I've offered you everything I have. I've offered you my only begotten son. I've offered you my body. I've offered you my blood. I've offered you everything I've got. And then the vulnerability. Will you accept this gift? Will you accept this gift to you? And how do we respond? What can we do? How, how in the world can we respond to God's amazing gifts for us? What, what do I have to offer God in return that could even begin to touch or compare? There's a song at Christmas that we often sing called In the Bleak Midwinter. Now, I'll confess to you, Nancy and I struggled with this song for a long time because early on in our marriage, early on in our ministry, we heard someone sing it who sung it in such a way that we really didn't want to hear it again. But it's a powerful song. And as we listen to the song, listen to the, to the words, especially in that last verse, what can I give him? Poor as I am. Remember, it's a Christmas song. If I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? I'll give him my heart. The best gift that we can give to God in response of God's gifts to us this amazing gift of God's love and grace through Jesus Christ on this cross as we walk with Jesus to the cross, the best response we can give, the best gift we can give is ourselves. Ourselves. And then we can continue to offer ourselves and offer our talents and our abilities and our gifts to God as expressions of our love to God. God has so loved us, as we've read in the Scripture, God is a giving God from Genesis 1 to the cross. We can respond to God with our gifts as well, but there's a humility with our gifts to God. I love when you read 1 Chronicles 29, verses 13 and 14, you, you'll see that this is a section where David is talking about the temple that Solomon is going to be building and, and they're collecting the gifts that, that can be used then to build the temple. But I love David's humility when he says, and now our God, we give thanks to you and we praise your glorious name. Now listen to this. But who am I 
And what is my people that we should be able to make this free will offering? That we can, we can offer these gifts to you, for all things come from you. And of your own have we given to you. I've, I've always loved that verse because it's a recognition everything we are, everything we have is a gift from God. We are indeed so blessed. And David, this great king, the greatest king in all of Israel, Solomon, who just seems to have it all, as they build the temple, David goes, what? Who am I? What do I have to offer? Because everything that I really offer to you is a, is a portion of a gift you've given to us. Everything we have in our is a gift from you. All things come from you and of your own have we given to you. Paul tells us, we, we have all been given gifts and talents and abilities that we can use somehow gifts that we can offer our God. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning of verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but it's the same Lord. There are varieties of activities. It's the same God who activates all of them and everyone. But to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, this gift for the common good. How do we use our gifts to love God, the great commandment, and to love one another on behalf of God, which is the second great commandment? Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. You've been given the gift, a gift from God, how can you now use your gifts for God? Part of our worship, for example, we share in the dedication of our tithes and our offerings. It's a recognition, it's a theological recognition that everything we have and are, as David said, is a gift from God. And now we return a portion of these gifts that God has given to us back to God so that through the church, the work of the church, the body of Christ, we might be in ministry and mission in the name of and on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The offering, for example, is to be a gift to God, not a paying of dues. It's a gift of love, because remember, it's the thought that counts. And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, Each of you must give as you've made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, who wants to receive a gift when the giver comes up and goes, Here, got this for you. That's not the thought that counts. You see, it's an expression of love. It's love. And God is offering us this amazing gift of love. For God has given to us His only begotten Son. But not only that, from Genesis, God has provided everything for us. All the blessings that we have is a gift from God. And then ultimately, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 
And he wrapped it up and placed it on a cross for you.